and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome to the month of December, uh, a month when, well, you spend a lot of money, a lot going on, festivities abound, um, don't spend too much, you don't want to have to have a big fat credit card come January, so please manage your spending to some form of a budget, and please incorporate charitable giving, it is better to give than receive. Uh, I'm delighted uh, to have Sandy McIntyre in the studio, uh, chief strategist um, with is it now CI, CI. C, with CI Investments. Uh, I've known Sandy for uh, many years. Used to be with uh, Century Investments. CI, of course, uh, acquired the company, and he's now with CI. Uh, so, real delight to have you uh, back on the show, Sandy. Um, Jack and I, of course, have lined up a lot of questions, a lot of different dialogue. But I, if, if you don't mind, I want to get right to it. Um, where we left off last time we had you on the show, um, you touched on briefly um, uh, a theory of small numbers, the power of small numbers. Can you please go back to what you said to the audience? I want you to extrapolate and expand upon the concept because I think it applies directly to what I'm doing with my son, Sebastian, with a little investment strategy I have my, for my 17-year-old. I, I look at it in the, uh, the power of compound interest and how small changes in the interest rate that you are compounding at have very material cha- influence on your outcomes. Um, back when I was in grade four, I was taught the rule of 72. You divide your interest rate into 72, and it gives you your compounding period. Um, at a 2% interest rate, your capital will double in 36 years. Um, a 40-year-old that puts himself into a 2% portfolio will have the initial capital double 10 years after they've retired. <laughs> if that 40-year-old changes their risk profile and puts the money into a portfolio that can compound at 4%, they reduce the doubling period to 18 years. And if you go up the risk spectrum and build a portfolio that can compound at 6%, you double your capital in 12 years, and your 40-year-old will have doubled her capital twice by the time she retires. The trick to this is you have to remain invested. You can't attempt to time markets. Um, If you're in an equity portfolio, let it run. If you're in a bond portfolio, let it run. Don't try to jump in, jump out. Sandy, when you talk about the risk profile of uh, an equity portfolio, so a risk-free asset right now gets you that 2% that you're talking about and would double in 36 years. Right. If you look at the uh, the volatility of the portfolio over the long term, you're really not changing the risk profile if you think long term, if you extend your time horizon when you're buying equities because the potential for permanent loss of capital in equities, as long as you're buying good quality blue chip S&P 500, TSX 60, companies, sure, they're more volatile in the short term, but longer term, like you said, you're going to get that outcome that you're looking for. They've compounded anywhere between 7 to 10%, 12 with the S&P 500 if you go back a long, long time. Um, and like I said, the, the long-term risk profile really doesn't change that much because you're not certain. There's no guarantees in life, 
but there's a high probable outcome that you're going to achieve that higher return. You know what number it's saying? Because you, you, the power of small numbers. So I'm going to give you a different example here. Um, growth, growth, growth of a thousand dollars back in 19, uh, 1935. So uh, I've seen the data point I have from Fidelity Math is goes back to 1950. It's the same point. Uh, we'll we'll use the data I have in front of me here. Um, uh, an index chart. 1935, a thousand dollars. Today, that thousand uh, dollars, if it was invested in uh, a balanced portfolio, Sandy, it would have compounded at 8.5%. Your $1,000 uh, from 1935 to present would be worth 888000 uh, That sounds like a good number to me. 1000 becomes 888, um, 8.5% return. If you take that 8.5% and put it into a growth portfolio at 9.6%, so an extra 1.1%, uh, 888 turns into over $2 million. So an extra 1% is more than an additional double on your capital. Is that what you're referring to in terms of the power of small numbers? That's, in essence, what I'm referring to. Um, most individual investors don't have the same timeline as that index chart. <laughs> no, but the 1950s one that we have uh, from Fidelity. No. Uh, so anyone in this room born before 1950? Okay, we got one guy. And yeah, so uh, no, I was born 52. Excuse, so, if, but if you put a, if you're, uh, you know, when 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 um, you were born, if, if someone gave your family a hundred dollars uh, as a little baby gift, and they invested in the S and P 500, Sandy, that would have turned uh, into, according to this data, uh, 2.6 million dollars. 100, 100, 100 bucks, 1950, S&P 500. And Wolf, the reason that you invest in businesses is businesses have the ability to reprice their goods and services as inflation erodes their profit margins. So you think you go to Tim's and buy a coffee, you go to Starbucks and buy a coffee, there's an annual increase in the price of the commodity that you're purchasing. So again, say on the theme of power of small numbers, uh, if you don't go to Starbucks and buy a latte once a day and you save $5 a day and compound it at 8% uh, over a 40-year period, Sandy, $5 a day, 8%, 40 years, $750,000. Nice reason to change behaviors. Isn't that incredible? You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, uh, full of uh, high-octane financial advice uh, on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host, portfolio manager, along with Jack Hartle, portfolio manager as well. Sandy McIntyre, chief investment strategist with CI Investments, uh, is in the house. we got the Christmas tree lit up, and, uh, well, there could be a few presents under the tree at the end of the show. Please stay tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Uh, good morning. So, uh, Jack, pop quiz for you. I want you to share with the audience your little story about uh, your kids about to go to bed and they decided to count their money. Yeah, so a couple nights ago, um, normally every night our kids read for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and hopefully we get the chance to read with them. But uh, a couple nights ago, I went up and uh, was ready to read books with my daughter and son, James. Um, and they're both in my daughter's Lauren's room. I go, what are you guys doing? They're rallying around. <laughs> they, they just finished counting all of Lauren's money in her piggy bank. 
and they're ready to start James. And I said, ah, it's about 8.30. You guys got to go to bed. You guys can count the money tomorrow. And then my son freaked out. <laughs> I said, no, you have to go to bed. You're supposed to be reading, counting money. That's fine. I like that you're doing that. Uh, they do understand the value of a dollar. They understand the value of earning a dollar. Um, but yeah, my son was so upset that he didn't know how much money he had when he was going to bed. But so, so I said to Jack, how much money did he have that he wanted to count? I would say five bucks. So, and so Jack wouldn't let him count his five dollars. It, it, well, it's Wolf, Wolf, you picked, no, you picked your battle. It's interesting. You you you, you picked. Your, I'm gonna fight it, you on it, this it's one. Pennies, here. nickels, dimes. It would have taken him probably an hour to do. No, <laughs> you help him out. No. Um, yeah, I want to stick on the concept of uh, the power of uh, small numbers. Um, again, it's a daunting environment here in Toronto, and really in the world, you're hearing the, the theme uh, escalate: uh, how real estate prices are becoming unattainable um, uh, for many folk, and uh, specifically, of course, millennials. <clears throat> it's a big part of the demographic tailwind that we are supposed to have at our back. Household formation: millennials turning 28 to 32. They do the obvious: get married hopefully buy a home. Um, but the home prices are through the charts. Uh, so again, in playing with some numbers, um, a home today, a million and a half bucks for a very, very nice home here in Toronto, let's just say, uh, would cost you about uh, six to $7,000 um, a month in uh, uh, mortgage payments. Uh, but with today's interest rates at two and a half, three percent 3%, half of your mortgage payment today is going towards principal the other half is going towards interest. So as you make a $7,000 mortgage payment, which is ginormous, at least 3500 bucks is what's called forced savings. Uh, when a baby boomer or a Generation Y or Generation Xer like myself bought his first home, the price was a lot less. Say that was a $400,000 home. Uh, interest rates then were 11%. So when I made a mortgage payment, it was a lot smaller. Uh, the interest back then was $3,500 per mortgage payment. The principal was two sixty-four. dollars So I was only saving $264 a month. Well, today you'd be saving $3,500 a month. At the end of it all, when I bought my first home, I paid more in interest than principal. Today, when you buy your first home, you end up paying for more in principal than interest. It is basically a wash, I believe, Jack. We did the rough numbers. Um, wages have grown, much to many people's chagrin, by about 4% in the last three, four decades. Um, and Sandy, I don't know if you've looked very closely at wage growth on um, uh, mass, but would you agree with that number? Um, I think that's... <clears throat> probably pretty close to right. Um, in the United States, um, you've had no real wage real, growth. But that's with inflate real wage growth, correct. Over the past and what Sandy pretty means, close to 30 what, years. So what Sandy means is when you factor in inflation. Uh, again, but I'm talking about a house that has inflated. Uh, so that's why I'm trying to make the comparison. Right. To, they're, they're not net neutral. Um, I want to move on to um, Canada versus the United States. Um, and I, I, I'm going to help pivot the story here where I, I came home from work and uh, every day when I get home from work, one of the first things I have to do is do some more radio. I do a little radio broadcast each and every day uh, from my closet. <laughs> and <laughs> right by my microphone um, was a little envelope from someone and it said, uh, urgent, Mr. and Mrs. Klein, please open right away. Uh, big black uh, Sharpie. Uh, <laughs> I smile. I says for my daughter. So open it up and there was a essay, shall I say, uh, getting a phone, please read. Phone I'd like, iPhone X Silver. Why can't you get an 8 
question mark. I have a 6, no SIM, uh, and an iPod. The 6 is really old. It's laggy, horrible camera quality, terrible battery. I can't even use the newest updates due to its elderness. Um, this is for my 12-year-old daughter, by the way, Siobhan. Uh, it's really not fun uh, for someone in grade 7 where someone my age has good working phones. I feel left out, and I know that you guys always want your kids to feel happy. It's hard to feel happy when you're feeling left out. What does this have to do with an iPhone 8, you ask? You see, however long it will make for an iPhone 8, let's say 3 years, not too sure, though, if I have an iPhone 8, the same position, it won't do the updates, blah, 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 blah. She goes on and on into this two-page letter as to why she needs an iPhone, which leads me to uh, have some comfort in holding the Apple stock. Uh, it also leads me to believe that if you own the Apple stock, nothing wrong with holding a telephone company as well, a carrier, uh, which then takes me back to Canada. There's not much to do, Sandy, in Canada. Uh, Shopify is woken up again. The stock is repping. Uh, I, I, I bought the stock. Uh, it, was, it went against me. I cut my loss. Um, watched it go lower. Watched it turn go back up. Very, very expensive stock. I know you're going to agree with me, Sandy. But I come back to Canada. Um, there's not much to do in Canada with the exception of own a few banks, a railway or two, a telecom company or two, um, and then maybe the one darling tech stock that's grossly overpriced, but it's, it's it people, portfolio managers like CI will basically be forced to buy because they have a Canadian mandate. Uh, so what do you do as a Canadian investor and uh, how, how supportive of you of, of you being a Canadian investor buying into the U.S. market? I always want to buy into the most creative minds. They're, they're what creates value. And um, when you go to the U.S., you're finding real value creators. Um, you, you, know, you use Apple as an example. Um, from a valuation point of view, I don't find Apple attractive. From a market dominance point of view, maybe that valuation is warranted. But I'd, I'd point out that your daughter would be even more unhappy if your house were cold. And Apple's capitalization is greater than the capitalization of the entire energy sector <laughs> in the S&P 500. And economically... I, I, I have to, actually, my daughter is starting to interrupt me. I have to debate that. Gee whiz, no Wi-Fi, no heat? My kids would take the no heat for a period of time. <laughs> don't cut the Wi-Fi off on them. I don't know, Sandy, about that. Look, we're going to go to break. Uh, I'm Wolfgang Klein. It's a show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 here in Toronto. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, Partner in Success. Uh, Sandy McIntyre, Chief Investment Strategist, CI Investments. Uh, it's a great show. I'm very excited to be uh, doing the show today. Uh, please stay tuned. More of it right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. Hopefully you have more of it. If you've been listening for a couple of years and if you've been taking the advice of Jack and I, you should have some more money. Our clients do. Uh, well, look, 
Uh, never too late to start. Um, I got my son on a little savings plan. I'm very, very excited about it. And I, he's 17 years old and he works at a grocery store and I got him saving $100 a week. And you know what I'm doing, Sandy? I'm, I'm matching his 100 bucks a week. So again, I'm trying to create good habits here. And if it, if it costs me 100 bucks a week, whoopty. Uh, they'll don't inherit the money anyways. Um, uh, but uh, if, if I can keep it on, on $100 a week savings plan and match it, by the time my kid's 30, he'll have, what was the number again, Jack? Was it? Uh, $300,000. $300,000 by the time he's 30. Rapid, keep keep them on chicken. it. I got to keep them on it. Um, well, and of course, we, we like, set it up as an automatic payment. It's it's done weekly. We don't have to think about it. That way, it's a habit that uh, all he has to do is earn the money, and then it comes directly from his bank account into his investment account and gets actually automatically invested in a couple of CI mutual funds. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm not you're, kidding. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, with you also. <laughs> That's why Sandy's here. He doesn't want to lose the order. <laughs> but, uh, I, I hope one of them is the science and technology fund. Uh, no, down the middle. No, we're keeping on the fairway. We're not yeah. getting cute. Uh, we're not going sector specific. It's actually, yeah, it's a the global balance fund that we have. The, yeah, the global, balance. global balance fund. So we'll let the manager decide where to allocate okay. the capital. Uh, is that one okay? Yeah, that's fine. About the right fund for him? Like, I, don't want him I, I, I would have him in 100% equities. Uh, he is basically, it's an, all, it's an all equity portfolio. Yes, he is. Yeah, that's the, the one equities. balance fund that we have with him. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of, um, I'm going to digress because you use 100% equities, uh, Sandy. I'm 54. I'm 100% equities. Um, a lot of my clients who are in their 50s are 100% equities. Uh, the alternative is fixed income or cash. Tell you a little story. Um, during March of 2009, I received a phone call from my mother. Uh, and it was went something like this. Um, Sandy, I have to sell everything. <laughs> I said, oh, why, Mom? Because it's going down. She had a quality portfolio of Canadian and U.S. dividend stocks. Um, her investment objective was income with growth in that income. Uh, so what we, we had actually targeted was dividend growth strategy. My qu- question back to her was, uh, Mom, if you sell everything, where is your income coming from? Hadn't thought about that. So I gave her a challenge. I said, Mom, I want you on the weekend to go to Yorkdale, and if there's no activity, I'll let you sell something. <laughs> So she went to Yorkdale on the weekend. Now, I was a bit cruel. I sent her to Yorkdale on March break. Um, She phoned me up and said, Sandy, that was a horrible experience. (laughs) It took me forever to find a parking spot. And when I found that parking spot and went into the mall, there were all these people with bags bumping into me. (laughs) What am I buying? She had reached her previous high watermark by October of 2000, sorry, November of 2009, because she spent capital in the midst of a financial crisis to buy high quality assets. We bought. So back up, you did the opposite. So rather than selling, you convinced her to actually buy? Yes. Ooh, good man. I changed the conversation. Now I've done a study on what are your outcomes a year out when you either buy or hold in the midst of a major bear market? And the outcome is 100% of the time you're ahead of the game. 
a year out. So, so, year. so for the audience, Sandy, what's a major bear market? What qualifies well, as a, a major bear market? Um, it's it's 1974. It's 1987. It's 2000. 2000. It's 2008, 2009. So the market's down anywhere between 20 to 30%, maybe even a bit more? That's right. Okay. Because the market really does swing. We talk about this with clients. The market's like a pendulum. It's very, it's very, it's never in the center. It's always at one extreme or the other. It's euphoric or it's very depressed. In 2008, the market was depressed. And that's when Sandy was buying, I guess, for his mother. Yeah. Sandy, now, now, I would point out in January of 2018, it was euphoric. That was when Bitcoin was going through the roof. When pot stocks were absolutely the mania of the day. And uh, you had inflows into U.S. equities at mutual funds and ETFs at the same level as you had at the peak of the tech bubble. Right. So the market right now, the U.S. market, Sandy, is higher today than it was in 2018. So what would you say the sentiment of the market is at the moment? It, it's on the optimistic side. And it we need to have earnings for the S&P companies begin to rise again to justify current valuations. I would not be fully invested today. I would be holding tactical cash. How much? Oh, I, I'm typically 7 to 12% of portfolio. And when I get an event like I got in December of last year, I'll draw it down to about 3% of portfolio. I bought, I bought in the last week of December, the first week of January. Last year. Last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then those minor downturns, you know, you're down 14, 15, 17%. Your odds of being ahead a year out are nine to one. Um, you're going to get caught by it occasionally being a more major downturn. So you don't spend all your cash. You leave a little dry powder for yourself. Leave a little dry powder because if it gets worse, you're getting a better opportunity. Well, we're decking the halls, my good friends, with financial advice here on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. It is a show about money. Uh, Sandy McIntyre, our guest Today, Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, myself, of course, Wolfgang Klein, here for you and your financial needs and wishes. Please never hesitate to give us a call as well. WolfgangKlein.com is how we can be contacted. Uh, Going to go to break and get right back to Money Talk on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more Money Talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Take you back for a little bit, and good morning. It is Hi-Fi Radio. No jive talking here. Nope. Got Sandy McIntyre. Although that uh, you're probably doing the jive talking dance thing uh, back in your day. That was right up your alley. That music wasn't it, Sandy? Um, I actually, I, late did, 20s, I, late 20s? I, I didn't have the figure to go to the, the <laughs> disco. <laughs> we were we were picking up some songs for the show. We were watching some videos and we saw um, Travolta doing the dance in Saturday Night Fever. It is so classic to watch it on YouTube. I just love watching it. Uh, speaking of YouTube, um, you know, this rising phenomena of uh, kids not going to school, staying home, creating YouTube channels, generating significant revenue. And if they're not doing YouTube channels, they're uh, into this e-gaming phenomena. Uh, 
Um, talk about themes. Talk about ideas. Uh, something that's got legs and very disruptive taking place, uh, Sandy, against traditional media, traditional entertainment. Um, and, and organically d- coming from multiple directions and, and on an international scale. Uh, are you paying attention to the e-gaming scene? I, d- I don't pay attention to it directly, save that it is part of the phenomena of structural change in the economy. And, you know, I I, jacked, I, I, I made the comment about science and technology fund for a young kid. Yeah. Um, that's a way to participate in this change. Yeah. The economy that I was born into was an oil and coal economy. Indeed, the house next to us in Lawrence Park was heated by coal. So you'd wake up in the morning and you'd have soot on the window ledges. Hmm. Um, London, you had the killer fogs. When was the last time you had a killer fog? (laughs) The um, economy was more cyclical. Um, Employment was heavily manufacturing. Um, Services and manufacturing employment was roughly equal. Today... um, the economy is only about 11% manufacturing. Now, it, this is U.S. data. Mm-hmm. It's about 5.5% agriculture. Uh, well, it was a 90% agriculture at the end of the 19th century. Unbelievable. Uh it's it's always in structural change. Now, let me just, if I may, speak of agriculture, Sandy. Are they producing less agriculture today in America or more? And I know the answer to this one. Oh, it's way it's, more. It's way more a, manufactured little, little, goods. Little combines, GPSs. Yeah. How, how like some of the farms in America now through consolidation are massive, and and they're mechanical, they're uh, me- very mechanical, uh, and capital intensive. You 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 have autonomous driving combines, right? You don't need people for this. 24 hours. They don't shut them down. That's right. Yeah. Um, so if, if, if no, you... No, no, no meaning to Harvest Moon, I have to say. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you look at the digital economy, which is gaming, it's YouTube, it didn't have a recession in 2008, 2009. It didn't have a recession in 2000, 2003. Um, and it's, it's growing share materially as the digital economy has evolved. Yeah, back then it was, what, the S&P, it's 20% of the S&P now, isn't it? And it was 5 or 6%, I think, 30 years ago. Yeah. Technology. Uh, yeah, it's, anyways, um, if, you, if you think about the air quality, and this is not part of the narrative in the media, the air quality in Toronto when I was commuting in back in the beginning of the 80s, you would come in from Highway 7 and there was an orange dome over the city. That was the pollution from vehicles that were burning bad gas, low mileage, and creating toxic rain. Um, there's no orange dome over the city. What anymore. were you driving back then, Sandy? Uh, actually, that was in an AMC um, Concorde. It was a used disposable vehicle. <laughs> The air quality that you mentioned there, it also shows you the transition, like we were talking about before, the transition from coal to natural gas. The fact that you can transition from different fuels, different carbon-based fuels, and still achieve better air quality. We experience that every day in Toronto. People don't realize that. You know, right? Everyone, get, everyone wants to go green, and I get it. It's going to happen over time, hopefully. But, it, but yeah. there's a transition that has to take place. We're not just going to get off carbon. We look at the numbers here. Every single day, we use more oil 
than we did the previous year. It just happens. As long as we have economic expansion, we continue to use more oil. No, I want to say two points. And number one, I look at Lake Ontario over here at Sugar Beach. And when I was a child, you remember this, Sandy, and you went down to Sunnyside uh, to go for a toe dip. Uh, there were dead fish floating. Yep. There are tons of dead fish. I don't see dead fish in Lake Ontario. And there are fish in that water because Jack and I went on that little ocean of ours and we pulled out some beautiful salmon uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Had yeah, a lot the, of the American stock salmon. We got a, we yeah. got a couple of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of Trump tags on mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no Trump tariffs on that fish. Um, in terms of in terms of digitization, let's go back to, to Jack's children counting money. Uh, there is value still in, in, in physically seeing stuff. When it becomes digital, like Sebastian's becoming, not unaware, but this money's being put in some nebulous place in in the markets. And uh, certainly has the ability to watch it from a digital point of view, but not that physical counting. Uh, I wonder if there's value to still have seeing your money. Jesse Livermore, who was the greatest stock trader of all time, has once liquidated his entire assets around this time of the year, locked himself in a vault, in a bank vault for 72 hours during a holiday period, and just looked at his money. And they opened up the vault three days later and let him out. Reminiscent stock rocker. True fact. And he died broke. Yeah, disastrous family. Incredible yeah. story. Uh, Jesse Livermore, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, my favorite book on the market. Uh, the man was a complete uh, dysfunctional misfit um, who was an absolute student of speculation. Uh, they called him Boy Plunger, and when he went in, he went in large. Um, I think that's jive talking, really. You shouldn't do that. Uh, no, uh, Slow, steady Eddie wins the race, Andy. You don't need to be a hero to compound wealth. Uh, you need time to compound wealth, and you can't be too nervous. Um, coming up after the break, I'm going to talk about a little meeting I went to with some do-it-yourselfers um, and the the fear in the room, I shall say, um, and I would say uh, the, the, the lack of confidence and the ability to get good advice and as such cause them to feel that they have to do it themselves. Uh, it's a bit of a shame, uh, but it's a reality out there uh, with some investors. I want to talk further into that right here on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Pleasure to have Sandy McIntyre in the house for today's show. Please stay tuned. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. Yes, that's what Shopify is doing to me. It's spinning me around, but I'm not chasing it. Uh, what a volatile stock that is. Uh, Sandy, uh, before we get into uh, uh, a number of things I want to still cover off in the show, and I want you to uh, discuss basically the last 100 years, the, the, the amount of time people, we as an individual, actually spent in recessions versus the amount of time we worry about the next recession. But uh, Shopify, um, remarkable business. Empowering the little guy, um, well-respected, hyper-growth, uh, ability to take an idea and, and, and put it to market in very short order, a Canadian tech darling. Very, very expensive stock. I think priced to perfection. The market likes it. Marks is taking higher right now. What do you think of the company and the valuation? Um, it's not a company that I can physically own. Um, I'm not dialed up to be a speculator on outcomes. I'm trying to use math. I'm trying to use 
understandable businesses where I understand the duration of the business, I understand the growth rate, and I can do my discounting of the future cash flows. Um, I, I keep a portion of my portfolio in a fund that will participate in the, in the hyper growth end of the market. And I hive that management off to a portfolio manager who can make those decisions. Right. Uh, the, other, the other thing I'd say, Wolf, with Shopify, just with the fact that you see the volatility on it, it will go up or down $100 in a couple months easy. All that is is uh, the company continues to grow, continues to grow revenues. That we were just talking about before, depression for market enthusi- or market participants or enthusiasm. You got the pendulum just swinging either way. So it's really a multiple that the market is willing to pay based on how they really feel. Feel. And, you know, Jack went out and bought an amazing book. Um, and, again, I want to go back to um, time spent paying attention to the markets as a professional is what Jack and I and Sandy McIntyre does. Uh, in, in meeting with a, a, a group of do-it-yourselfers, they re- basically invited me in to speak with them. They wanted some free advice. Um, after all, that's what do-it-yourselfers want, free stuff, which is fine. Uh, so I went and spoke. I was going to have some fun with you folks, but you want me free. You're going to pay. And I made them pay. Um, uh, so I started with stacking up my toolbox versus their toolbox. Their toolbox was free, stuff that you get online. Bad data. We'll start with bad data. Bad data leads to bad outcomes as far as I'm concerned. But a Bloomberg terminal that Jack and I have access to is a $20,000 tool. A Thompson terminal is a $10,000 tool. My bespoke investment research is $4,000. My SIA relative strength tool is $3,000. My white charts and access to fact set combined worth $10,000. Well, if I would add Additional research. My analysts, each analyst that I have access to is paid very, very handsomely expensive uh, capital. Having access to a guy like Sandy McIntyre is very valuable because you are loaded with wisdom. Every time I meet with you, you give me such powerful concepts that that are truisms that that stand the test of time are good for eternity. That's the type of stuff that we can hang our hats on in investing as opposed to pot versus uh, Shopify. I, I get it uh, in terms of what you're saying about shop. Um, but uh, the, the, the sad thing is when it comes to the outcome, I've seen retail investors time and time again, the study is that they underperform the market significantly. And a JP Morgan piece recently published shows that the average investor uh, has made about 3% when the S&P is compounding just in and around 10% uh, over decades and decades of time. And what I find is um, if you're trying to do it yourself, you lack confidence, you lack information, you lack a peer group, you lack technology, you lack time spent participating and, and, and analyzing. And as such, you basically, you may not be buying the wrong stuff. You're just not buying enough. Out. You're not taking on risk for always being fearful of being wrong. In this business, you have to understand you will be wrong, like a baseball player uh, doing perfection, batting 500. Um, and that's, again, what's very, very challenging and dynamic, which leads me, Sandy, to another point. Jack went out and bought a book called The Tao of the Markets. Uh, the Tao. Uh, T H A O, but is, is it? I think they say it's pronounced Tao with a D. Chinese, I, I could be wrong. Chinese philosophy, and um, this philosopher was very much concerned that the world uh, is is so left brain in many uh, disciplines, certainly in finance. And you were just speaking about you want to do discounted cash flow analysis, you want to do some math, you want to do numbers, yada yada yada. Left brain stuff. This book talks about the importance of the right brain. And you've mentioned ideas. And it's incredible because the great ideas that we're talking about today, the Apple, this, these great ideas, you know where they, I believe they, many of them came from? Hollywood. 
all the creative writers had these concepts, and here you are now seeing them into um, uh, in, into reality. Uh, it's, it's it's fascinating stuff, and it's fun. Actually, it's it, a puzzle. It, it takes a side trip through the U.S. military. So there's frequently military research that develops the technologies Often, yep. that are are launched into our consumer world. Yeah, I, when I think of a cell phone, I do think of the military Motorola. And yet they dropped the ball. This is the way Sony Walkman dropped the ball. And that too is very interesting. Yeah. So I have about six cell phones on my little ledge that I'll never jump over, by the way, in my office. Six cell phones. And clients get a real kick when they see those six cell phones. But I, they reminded me, Sandy, of mice traps. Because I do believe the iPhone one day will be replaced by something else without question. Don't know when, don't know what, it will be replaced. It has to. It's just the law of the universe. Uh, it really but, is. But the carrier is not going to be replaced. Don't know. Um, I think eventually the carrier will be uh, over time. Uh, over time, fifty years, hundred years. It may be low orbit satellite, but you're paying somebody for the transmission of your data. There's rumor Elon Musk might be even getting into that game as he launches satellites. Uh, Jack's giving me the rap. The next song's for you, Jack. You wait, pal. Uh, you are listening to Hi-Fi Radio, uh, Global News Radio, six forty in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, manager of millions. Uh, Jack Hartle right there to help me for the cause. And of course, special guest Sandy McIntyre, Chief Investment Strategist at CI Investments. He's responsible for a lot of dough. Uh, pay attention. Uh, you'll learn something. More of it right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. I told you, Jack, I get you. All right, hang around for the hit anyways. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, manager of millions for some wonderful families here in Toronto and right across Canada, a few even overseas. Uh, it's great. We have a client who lives in uh, Europe, and uh, if they deposit money in the bank, uh, when they take it out, there's actually less there. And so making them any money here in North America, uh, they, they're delighted beyond belief because they live in a negative interest rate world. $20 trillion of bonds are trading underwater. Uh, we are at the last segment of the show. Uh, Sandy McIntyre raised a wonderful point um, about human nature because uh, Jack and I get the question almost daily. And the question is, are we going into a recession soon? Uh, Sandy, I want you to speak to that. Are we going into a recession soon concept? Well, I decided to go and do a little study and find out how much time in my life I had spent in recession. Uh, I was born in January. I was in recess myself, but go ahead. <laughs> I was born in January 1952, and I've spent about 12.5% of my life in recession. <laughs> uh, you spent 12.5% of your life in recession. That's a funny concept. Ma! <laughs> now, there's a lot of people who manage their own money, and they don't understand a very basic concept. You manage your money to your most likely outcome. And if effectively 87% of my life I spent with the economy growing and 13% I spent with the economy shrinking, 
why do I manage my money to the shrinking economy? <laughs> That's a good question. It's a great, it's a great question. question. It's all about it's about probabilities. That's what you do as a money manager, as just as Sandy said. You want to look at what's the most probable outcome. How are assets priced, and can I maybe take advantage of that? So, I, guess, so well, I, I was a competitive sailor for years, mm-hmm. and we had a, a saying in sailing: um, "It's time on the water. It's practice. It's practice." Um, and the winning boats are always crewed by very experienced crew who know how to take advantage of the other boat's mistakes. Right. Or will force the other boats into mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I like the, you know, I like the Beatles. The Beatles said it's 10,000 hour theory. You got to spend 10,000 hours at it to get good. So we're going to play some more in Liverpool. But they did. The 10,000 hour theses. Um, you know, it's incredible because, again, Jack and I are immersed into this business. I have now been in this business for just under 20 years. I can't believe it, how time flies. It's been a lot of fun. But it, most importantly, it's been an educational experience for me. And uh, the journey continues. And uh, the exponential knowledge uh, that Jack and I, I find, uh, experience on, on a daily, weekly basis is very, very powerful. But all that gives us an edge. So I'm at this meeting, and I said, okay, folks, you're doing yourselfers. How much time do you spend managing your money each and every day? One fellow put his arm up and said, does watching BNN count? I said, pornography. They I call it the comedy network. <laughs> the talking heads. Well, I'm a talking head, uh, Sandy. No, not, that's not studying your the positions that you own. That's not reading strategy reports. That's not speaking with analysts or management. No, that's nonsense. So the next person, well, I spend 50 minutes a day at it. Someone else said, I spend about 45 minutes a day. Someone else said, I spend two hours a day. I said, great. Jack and I spend 10 hours a day each. And, you put, and you put all- that together, that's 20 hours a day, plus the people around us. So who has the competitive edge? Who's spending more time on the water, Sandy? Jack and I or a do-it-yourselfer? Um, the do- We're sailors, Jack. We're sailing. <laughs> the do-it-yourselfer is exposing themselves to a subjective view of a potential outcome. Bingo, subjective and, view. And we are trying to make it as objective as possible. Objective, right. In the guidance that we're giving to our clients. 100%. And because we, we know ultimately that there are no assurances. It's about probabilities and it's about managing risk. Um, so we take away company risk and sector risk by diversifying. We take on various asset classes to manage uh, market risk. And we extend time horizon and that is the thing we don't need to be right today if we're quite certain we're going to be right in five years correct absolutely and, absolutely. and i was going to say for the sailor analogy when the winds change we have to adjust just yep. like the experienced sailor and when you get a financial crisis that's a storm period and you adapt how you manage the money but you have to recognize when the storm has passed i was going to say there's such an opportunity cost out there especially from the last crisis we talked about it before the break here People are still managing to the 2008 crisis when we're 10 years beyond that and we're in a secular bull market and that opportunity cost, you really don't get that time back. You don't get that time back. Nope, 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 nope. Well, look, the power of small numbers, uh, time horizon, time spent on the water. And saving. uh, Saving, managing your spending, systematic don't forget about charity either. Guess what? You give to charity, the government's going to almost give you half back anyway, so you can give more, but do it. Uh, max out the RSP. Uh, make sure you manage your debt. And millennials, as I indicated to you, there is a silver lining in terms of home ownership, so long as you can get your down 
payment, that's a different challenge for you. If you get the down payment, take some solace that every monthly payment that you're making towards your mortgage, you are forced savings. That's a good thing. But it doesn't stop with a home. You must manage your biggest expense, which is taxes, and therefore you must max out your RSP from the day you begin working. Forget the TFSA until the debt's taken care of. Uh, I want to uh, thank you very kindly for tuning into the show. Sandy McIntyre, a real delight to have you on the air with us for the entire show. I can't thank you enough for your wisdom and your experience uh, and your uh, humor as well. Thanks. Uh, you have yourselves a great weekend. Jack, great job as well. Uh, and we'll uh, talk about uh, your behavior after the show. Uh, you get the, the rap, Wolf. <laughs> all the best, my good friends. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.